Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? Things are well, man. How you doing? Man, no complaints, man. It's raining out here in Chicago, man, but that's okay, man. I saw the sun for a glimpse. Like, it looked over the blanket at me like, hey, <laughs> I'm going back to sleep now. It was cloudy the rest of the day. But uh, other than that, man, it's been going good today, man. That's good. <laughs> I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, uh, Kelsey Nelson. How's it going, my sister? Hey, I am great. Thank you, fellas, so much for having me. And apologies, it's cold and rainy in Chicago. The last two days in D.C. have been beautiful. We've got 80-degree weather, you know, skin's out for everyone. We're just excited. Like, we needed this in D.C., so I'm in good spirits all around. <laughs> sprinkle us. Just sprinkle us with a little bit of that. Just give it to <laughs> Look, I'm trying to pass it your right. way. Let's <laughs> open to Chicago. <laughs> I'll receive it. So, uh, Kelsey, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, what you do for a living and for or for a purpose? Oh, I like that. What you do for a purpose. I think that's even a better thing of saying, you know, than what you do for a living. Yeah. Um, you know, I, luckily my purpose in life has called me to two kind of different fields in sports and education. So that's what I work in. Most people know me for my sports reporting work. Um, recently just joined Valley Sports as a national NBA reporter and host and on-air contributor. So right now NBA playoffs has taken over my life, but it's so much fun. Um, and so excited to be doing some national work. Also work with Fox Sports Radio, where I have my own show, Listen In with K&N. Um, and that show really is honestly a purpose and calling because I started that show because I didn't see enough uh, faces or voices that look like me in DC. So I wanted to add my own flair to that. I do a bunch of freelance reporting covering all the DC teams. So a lot of people come to me for DC sports, which has been an interesting place, um, especially this week with the new commanders news that has come out. And of course we are um, really honestly sorrowful here in DC um, with the loss of our brother, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Um, and then I also work in education. And so I have a community action project called Books Breaking Borders, Books to End Educational Bankruptcy. That's something I actually started as an undergraduate at the University of Maryland, and it's aimed at ending the illiteracy rates right now that we have in this country, specifically looking at marginalized communities, so specifically making sure that our black and brown babies are able to graduate and read on grade level and do math on grade level so that they can have long, successful, fruitful lives. So that's why I have that books to end educational bankruptcy. So essentially we work to build libraries and community centers um, and schools and different places like that, because, you know, if there's fast food that can be on every corner, why can't I book be on every corner and access to a book and education be on every corner. So super excited about that. We're expanding, actually having some talks now in Canada. So that's been busy. And then I also work with a group called Learning Heroes, which is based in Alexandria, Virginia, where I'm a senior, senior manager of external relations. So basically a fancy way of saying I help them make partnerships in the community to make sure that parents and families get the tools, the free tools and resources um, that the organization creates. And then if that's not enough, I also am a teacher. And I have two students at Georgetown right now doing their thesis projects on the WNBA. Woo, hope everybody watched the WNBA draft just recently, had great numbers, and we had some great women's basketball numbers. Um, and also teaching intro to podcasting and radio. And then I, of course, sit on a, a couple of boards for nonprofit groups here in DC. One of them is Fight for Children, um, which really looks at sports as a developmental means for children to advance uh, through life. So looking at, you know, develop how sports kind of helps children develop. Um, I sat on the board of the Most Valuable Kids organization, and then I do a lot of work with Special Olympics International and Special Olympics D.C. That, that's like my whole bio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and as quickly as I can share it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. So you, you, 
you know, based on what you just said, you're you're a pretty busy woman. What um, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> so, which one of these, uh, which one of the things that you do um, holds the most space in your heart? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, it's my community action project that I am in the process of making an official nonprofit right now. So, building out my board and stuff. My lawyer is keeping me on track to make sure we cross our I's and dot our T's. Um, but I think that one's near and dear to my heart. So a little bit about my background. I grew up in the DMV area. My family's from Jackson, Mississippi. And essentially they moved to Montgomery County, Maryland because they realized in Jackson, Mississippi that the school system, this wasn't probably gonna be the best place for them to raise kids, for their kids to be able to live what everybody wants, that American dream. So my parents moved to Montgomery County, had me, and obviously I got to grow up in a great school system. So that came with its own challenges, especially, you know, when you start to look in honors classes and AP classes and you're the only one that looks like you and everyone's counting you out. Um, so I know what it is to be an underdog. You know, I know what it is to not have parents that have access to money and able to just get you fancy tutors um, and stuff like that. And so I think for me, you know, growing up and kind of having that experience and getting like, you know, scholarships to go to like certain camps or tutoring services or things like that. I know how, how important it is to have access to education. My favorite quote is from Oprah Winfrey. You know, education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. And that's exactly what education is. And, you know, I'm so thankful, you know, that I was able to go on and go to the University of Maryland and Georgetown University, um, both fear the, <laughs> fear the Turtle and of course Hoya Saxa forever. But all that to say, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of our schools just aren't serving our children like they need to, and especially schools in our communities. And so this is why I started my community action project, because, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants to whom much is given, much is required. I am a Boys and Girls Club kid. I went to a bunch of camps and daycares growing up. So so many people poured into me, and I want to make sure that children have that same access, you know, that they have support and that parents and families have support. So this was probably most important to me because we're doing things that I think you don't always get in our community. So like we're hosting spelling bees. I'll never forget watching Akila and the Bee when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, somebody that looks like me is winning spelling bees. I'm like, spelling is like cool. And you know, we used to have to know how to spell. We didn't have all the fancy word check and stuff that they have now for kids. So like, you know, I see stuff like that. We're doing reading workshops for parents because a lot of times people think it's just educating the child. But if that mom or dad does not know how to read, we have to make sure that they're able to also know how to read so they can better help their child as well, right? And we're kind of breaking that cycle of illiteracy rates and stuff like that. Hosting book drives, making sure that we have culturally appropriate books. For me, I have parents that were very proud into Black history. So we only have Black pictures in our house. I have Black Jesus and everything else. Um, and I only could play with Black Barbie dolls, but, you know, and have Black books. And of course, I went to school. It wasn't always like that. But it's so important for children to see people that look like them, right, in books and things like that. So you can truly see what you want to be. I mean, it's so amazing now. I'm thinking, like, I can't wait for the book to be written on our new Supreme Court justice, you know, and then seeing, like, her story and what's happening. So making sure that they have those culturally appropriate books, culturally relevant books and things like that. And so, again, this is something I started in college when I was doing the, I was a part of the America Reads and America Counts program. So I used to go and I was a math mentor at Templeton Elementary School in PG County. And I love that experience. The kids were amazing. But sometimes I remember on the bus rides back to college, like I would literally be heartbroken. These kids sometimes couldn't even read the instructions, yet alone do the work. You know, and I was there to help them, but I couldn't be there all the time. And so I just kept wondering what's going to happen to these children, right? If this, if this keeps continuing, I'm sure you both know, you know, you have the pipeline to prison that they're already starting when these kids are in third grade. And they're kind of starting to count dollars on them and they're counting on their failures. That should not be something, you know, that should be 
um, children should be attested to. We need to make sure that kids know their greatness. You know, one of my counselors from the Boys and Girls Club used to say, people would always call us at-risk youth. He would say, take that and turn that. And it means you're at risk of greatness. That's what I'm trying to spread through my organization. You know, you're not at risk of anything. You're at risk of the greatness and potential that you're going to bring um, and show in this world. So I think that's why that one is near and dear to my heart because I I started that, I created it, you know, the logo is made with love and passion. Um, and it's just been so exciting to see it grow. And so hopefully the goal will be to turn this also in the future to a charter school, fingers crossed. Um, so I have a lot of goals and dreams, you know, with this organization that I started. So special thanks also to everyone that's been supporting it thus far. That's great. So you, you mentioned that the, uh, the reason why your parents moved to Maryland was for, you know, better education. Um, right. In what ways uh, was your upbringing in, in education uh, better because you were in that, in that location? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So, you know, Montgomery County Public Schools is like one of the top school systems, you know, in the country. So it means you have access to good teachers, you know, good books, et cetera. Obviously, I think to the state, too, I think Maryland might be the wealthiest state still, too. So you have a lot more money being poured into the public schools. And so I think with this, because Montgomery County has this like long history of tradition, you know, they don't want their numbers to fall, right? They're going to try to make sure that every child does succeed. Now, that does not always happen. And mind you, I think in my educational journey from kindergarten through 12th grade, my dad was always involved in the PTA as well as my mom. Um, but my dad was kind of able to take off earlier and he was always the NAACP rep. So he was always right there. So no, I never got in trouble with school folks because uh -uh, I was not having my parents come to class and embarrass me. Um, but essentially that's what it is. And a lot of times it's like where the money is, is funneled is when you have more money in school systems, obviously you're able to get a lot more, right? You're able to get better books, usually better teachers because what do teachers want? Good paying jobs. We know our teachers don't get paid enough, but if a school system is paying top dollar, you're probably going to get some of those better teachers. Um, and I think also, like I said, I think just the, the relationships that they had, you know, so I grew up in a school system where, my, where I was with teachers that, you know, went to University of Maryland um, in these great schools that I wanted access to. Um, and, you know, I think looking back, especially because my parents, you know, having grown up in Mississippi and then going through the schools, you know, they like made it out, but they also understand the importance of making sure that, you know, you kind of prepare your community for better success. So me going to going in Montgomery County Public Schools, but also keeping me humble. And I went back and spent my summers in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, I kind of saw the inequity on both sides of the spectrum. I will say, I think sometimes people think when you go through a good school system, that means you're like you're set for life and you're going to be good. And that's not true. A lot of people fall through the track, the, you know, the cracks in Montgomery County. You know, I, I remember like our bus would stop, you know. I'll never, there's a trailer park in the community where I live. And it's like, you know, they kind of try to hide it. Like it's kind of off the road and stuff. I remember like when the bus would stop there, you know, and the kids and the parents would be there, you know, ready to pick them up. And, you know, I'm thinking they should have the same access as the people in the big houses, you know, with all the yard space. Um, and I think that's what it was. I think for me, you know, I'm thankful, but it also prepared me what it is to be the only one like in a room. Cause I realized too, like I would go from at lunch hanging with my friends, you know, a good amount of them look like me to like being in class and my like AP and honors classes, you guys. And I'm like, it's me, <laughs> you know, it's me. And so I think some of that pressure sometimes, but I mean, in the jobs I have now, sometimes it is just me, but I've been in those situations, you know, and I know what it is um, to try to have to prove, you know, who you are, what you can do. And people sometimes thinking you can speak for everybody that looks like you. No, that's not the case. I can speak for me. I'm always going to represent people that look like me, but we're not all the same. You can't put us all into one box. And so, you know, I'm thankful I'm always proud to be from Montgomery County. And again, I think it helped to prepare me. But what I got in Montgomery County, everybody should get everywhere. You know, I'm so tired of the zip code defining, 
you know, so much of what we can do in life. And a zip code should just be that. It should just be numbers where we live um, and not be attributed to the success that people think we're going to go in life. Yeah. I know you, you spoke on um, entering a room and it being just you, right? So how does it... Um, how does it feel being a woman in sports? I know it's more women getting into it, yeah. but it's still not that many, but so how does that feel? Yeah, you know, I, I think being a woman in sports, I think it's probably different every woman you talk to, but for me, you know, I know what I represent and I tell people all the time, when I enter a room, I enter that room as a black woman, all right? That's something that's gonna always be a part of me. So I'm bringing both those experiences of being black in America and being a woman in America with me and all that I do. But I do think there's an extra weight carried with you, especially when you are a black woman, because unfortunately you're like at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Because we know there's still sexism that exists and racism that exists. And so you're trying to fight both of those parallels. And so I think you have supporters and people that will work to support you and uplift you. But unfortunately, as you all know, the world is not progressive as we need to be. Sports is still also trying to get where it needs to be. And so I think, you know, you just carry the weight of making sure that you're lifting as you climb, making sure that you're going to leave space for others to come behind you that look like you so you can get more women in the door, but also knowing that you have that pressure. Like, I feel like we kind of have to do things twice as better because if a woman says something wrong, God forbid, everyone's going to come for them, you know? And so it's like making sure that you always are representing the best of yourself and making sure that your voice is heard and that you're being taken seriously um, as a woman in sports. And as you said, we have made strides. I'm so excited for that. And I hope those numbers continue to grow but we're still not where we need to be in terms of diversity um, in sports. And it's a shame because sports are so diverse, you know, watch anything and you'll see, you know, lots of diversity, but we need to make sure that our media representation um, is reflective of that because this is where we get our stories, you know? And again, I'm bringing something unique to a story that somebody that doesn't look like me probably can't bring to that story. You know, I'm able to talk on different issues and not only because I'm a black woman, I also have a degree you know, in African-American studies. So I also like studied this. Um, you know, so I'm taking all of that. I have, I studied public policy, you know, I'm a graduate of the public policy program at the University of Maryland. So I'm able to take kind of all that spectrum and lens that I have and apply it to sports. And so I think as females, you know, we're looking at these spaces and seeing that these spaces that honestly weren't many, usually created for us. Because um, many times these sports, like sports media was literally created. A lot of it, you know, is for white men because that's who was doing it at first. And so we're trying to still make our mark and get into spaces that wasn't initially for us. So I think as a woman, it means that you're always going through this journey um, and you're always just trying to kind of find your place, your voice, but making sure again, that you're getting more people in that room. But I'll tell you all, it's a challenge that I welcome. It's a challenge that I've obviously been able to thrive off of, meaning that I've been able to connect and work with people that do truly want me to be in the room, but also help to change the minds of some people that probably didn't initially feel like I should be there. Um, and so again, I think it's having that underdog mentality as a woman, but knowing that your hard work will pay off, but that you're going to have to do a lot of hard work to make sure that you hopefully get the opportunity that you deserve. Well, uh, impressive is the, is what I have to say about you. This is, uh, amazing. Just, uh, what you do oh, thank and, uh, you. will contribute is, uh, is, I, I see some bright things in your future. Sure, Kelsey. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, um, where did you get your sports itch from? Was it your mom or your dad? Yeah, my mom knows this already, so it's not going to be bad, but I am a daddy's girl. and My dad's <laughs> a girl dad. It's me and my sister. And I told you guys, my family's from Mississippi. My dad went to Grambling State University. 
very big Gremlin fan till this day. If you ever see a black man in all Gremlin gear in DC, yep, that's my dad. Say hi, Joe Nelson. Good to meet you. Love your daughter, Kelsey. Um, but you know, I grew up in this world of Bayou Classics, right? And HBCUs, honestly, all my aunts went to Jackson State University. So better believe now when I'm seeing Jackson State represented like they need to be and all that Dion is doing, it's exciting for me. So that was kind of honestly my first introduction to sports. So you know, sometimes people be like, you know, you support HBCU so much, you didn't go to one. I didn't have to go to one. I was surrounded by them, all right? I grew up with them. And even now I give back to them. I work a lot with our HBCUs here in the DMV area. So like Philly State and Coppin State and Howard University. Um, and so it's near and dear to my heart. So my dad, I remember, you know, he took me to my first sporting events. I remember when we used to go watch Georgetown when I was small, McDonough Arena, standing room only. Sometimes he put me on his shoulders so I could see over all the big people. And I remember going to Cole Fieldhouse. Um, when it used to have sports at Maryland, of course, now Maryland's fancy and we got our fancy athletic centers. But I remember being hot and stuffy in there and watching Maryland games. And then I still remember too, when we got, we, my parents, we get free tickets um, through our community center, Plumgar Community Center. And that's how I got to go to my first professional sporting events. And I remember like, we sit up all the way in the nosebleeds, but I was there and I was watching the Mystics games and I was watching the Wizards games, you know, so watching, you know, Elena Beard and Coco Miller with the Mystics and then um, with the Wizards, you know, watching Karan Butler and Antoine Jameson and that whole crew and uh, Gilbert, Gilbert Arena State. Oh, yeah. uh, and that was happening in DC. And so like a lot of it, you know, was from my father because he's a sports aficionado and I played a bunch of sports growing up and you know, I could always look in the stands and I'd always see my father there and it meant so much to me because I always just wanted to make him proud. Um, you know, I was just so thankful too to have his continuous support obviously throughout my career in life. So what's the, like, what's the biggest lesson you, um, you took from your dad? You, you would say that you learned from your dad. Yeah, you know, I think my dad had taught me that you know, there's nothing that I can't do. And I push that to say, I think sometimes, you know, some people are like, go easier on the girls or, you know, don't be as tough. Well, you know, my mom would even sometimes say that, my dad, you know, like, but my dad, no, like he was preparing me for the real world and, you know, what's going to come at you. And, you know, he would do it with love and compassion. But at the same time, you know, I had to learn my lessons and what it would take to make it in this world. You know, I remember, you know, my dad's like, you want to get somewhere, how are you going to make it happen? Better believe I learned the transit system good in the DMV area because I was going to get to where I needed to get to, you know, the metro system. And he would just make sure, obviously, that I got to be, you know, where I am. And honestly, even till this day, like, I mean, just his compassion and care. Like, even now, I talk to my dad every day on the phone, right? Like, always checking in and just being that kind of source that I can, like, go to. And honestly, always being home. I think that's the great thing about parents, but always keep you humble, right? And I think my dad, too, like, never forget, never let me forget um, you know, where it came from. And so I'm just thankful for that support. But I think maybe the biggest lesson too is that he taught me my history, like my dad. Um, you know, I knew, you know, what my family, you know, had been through and everybody that had came before me and how special it was, you know, for me, um, you know, like the first, I'm the first member of Alpha Kappa Alpha in my, in my family, you know, I'm one of the first to go to graduate school. Um, you know, just making sure that I knew that I came from a strong black family and that I truly could accomplish any and everything that I wanted to. It means so much because I look up to my dad. I did when I was young and I still do now. So having that person that's like your role model, you know, believe in you and tell you that you can do anything and that there will, won't be limits against you, but you will have to go through challenges maybe to get there. It meant a lot. And so I think he really helped me prepare, you know, for the world that can be great, but a world that can also be ugly and also sometimes not want people that look like you in it. Um, but I felt like, you know, that kind of tough love um, is kind of why now, like I'm always smiling, but don't, don't mistake that fellas. Like I can take it with the best of them. 
Um, and, you know, and I'm going to get through that. And, you know, I know that anything that comes my way, watch out because I'm coming through it. Um, and that's all honestly thankful because of him. So obviously shout out to my dad, dad, if you're watching, I love you. Um, and, you know, I'm just thankful for those lessons. Yeah. Shout out to Papa Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I actually uh, got into sports through my mom, actually. It was, uh, she awesome. was a huge Bears fan, Cubs fan, Bulls, when, you know, Jordan was doing his thing. Oh, yeah, the glory days of the Bulls. <laughs> my, my favorite moment, though, my mom is watching the Cubs win the World Series. Ah, uh, how dad special was that? to watching the Cubs, and he died before they won. So oh. just watching all the emotion and like literally she was through her. <laughs> oh, that is we so went to special. A movie theater and saw it. It was amazing. It was epic. But, that uh, is so special. That's why I love sports, though. You know, it's like so many family moments. There's a lot of family moments happen around sports and the dinner table, right? Around food <laughs> and the television. You think about Thanksgiving, right? It's about good food and good sports. And much like you, so me and my dad are Ravens fans. So, you know, in 2012, uh, you know, being at, looking at, you know, when the Ravens won that one with Beyonce, first off, we had Beyonce, you know, doing her thing at the Superdome. And then obviously we had the Ravens and the 49ers. Like it was just so special, you know, to see that moment, you know, to share that moment. It's like, oh my God, you know, they did it, they did it. You know, they got their second Super Bowl. Um, and that's something like what you said. It's just, it, it means the world. And even now, you know, my dad's able, I'm able to send him pictures. It's like, yeah, that's my daughter covering this event and that event. You know, it just makes him proud. And the stuff that we used to watch on TV, well, now I'm there. <laughs> you know, like a piece of him is actually there witnessing it and covering it um, and telling the story of what happened. So it kind of is cool how life comes full circle. So you all don't mess with Washington football team? So, <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it really honest with you all. So I grew up a Ravens fan. I'm in Maryland. I know DMV is a little weird place because a lot of people from Maryland do root for the Washington team. I grew up, though, not honestly being able to root for the Washington team because, again, I told you guys, my dad taught me history. Washington was the last team to integrate. All right. So knowing all that history, and this is why I tell people all the time, that's why you'll actually find a lot of black cowboy fans in D.C. because of that very reason. Washington was literally forced to integrate. And then, of course, uh, my parents, honestly, he wasn't a big fan of the name. The former name, the R word, the Redskins. And so I covered the team, actually worked for the team. And I've always like supported the team, but they were never like the favorite team. And I'm a Maryland girl through and through. Crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. So the Ravens have always been the home team. A girl, you guys can go back to my photos if you don't believe me. I've always been rocking <laughs> purple and black, but obviously support the DC team because uh, Baltimore and DC are so close. The DMV is just a unique area. Like kind of have to like Baltimore and DC sports. So some people will tell you they're like polar opposites and won't support either, but I show love to everyone at home. <laughs> is Baltimore considered a part of the DMV? Uh, so if, you, if, if somebody's from the DMV, they're going to tell you no. Like Baltimore is, even though it's like an hour away, it's, it's different. It's like the difference between 395 and 495 is different. Baltimore is a different vibe. I love both. I used to spend time in both. And obviously even now, um, I live in DC, but travel to Baltimore often. So I consider it the DMV, but most people will tell you, nope, again. And then you have go-go and, and club music. So again, it's like two different cultures um, with the two, but good people and good food in both, I must say. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to visit uh, Baltimore. That's one place I... You should. Baltimore's awesome. I mean, right by the harbor, you can catch, like, the ferry boat and, like, be right in the water. Um, I mean, there's just... The food scene in Baltimore, too, is, like, amazing. Lots of great views. Mm -hmm. Again, the people are great. And make sure you get yourself a good crab cake. No one does. I've been traveling all okay. around the world. No <laughs> one makes crab cakes like we do 
in Baltimore, all right? So a real crab meet, and if you're a real crab aficionado, you gotta come to Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Cause the only thing I know about Baltimore <laughs> is The Wire. So I'm out You know what's so funny? I just started watching The Wire. People are like, really? you're like eight years too late. I'm late to the party too. Just, yeah. I'm still in season one. It's good though, but it's funny because it a lot of people say that, and they're I'm not gonna lie, there are parts like the wire, but that's there's so much more than that to Baltimore. And that's why I think for me, even it's so important to like you know go travel to places and really see it for yourself because otherwise you have these perceptions. Um, you know, you don't even know. I know one of the best places I traveled, I went to Bend, Oregon. My job sent me to Bend, Oregon. Mm. Fun fact, that's the last place to have a blockbuster. So I can see the last blockbuster standing. <laughs> go to Bend, Oregon to go see that. But, you know, I'm like, I'm going to the middle of Oregon. Like this is, but honestly, it's one of the most relaxing places that I've ever been to. Beautiful out there. Like you, I don't even hike, but I wanted to go hiking out there because it was just so beautiful. You know, I'm petting llamas. The people were so friendly and nice. You know, even though I was a minority there <laughs> and it was the only place I've been picked up by the same Uber driver, like multiple days, like literally <laughs> it was the same driver and I got picked up in a pickup truck. So we got super close during that trip. Um, but again, I, you know, I had perceptions, but once I went there, it was so much fun. I had all this like different food scene and they had good seafood and stuff. I wasn't thinking about good seafood in Oregon. That's kind of why you have to like travel to places, you know, so you can kind of break those notions of like what other people tell you about a place. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, Kelsey, can you speak to uh, what was your or what's your dad like? Uh, other than like the sports yeah. and you, know, you guys having that bond, like uh, what's yeah. Like? Oh, how do I describe my dad? So my mom always says I'm just like my dad. So <laughs> I think for one, my dad has a good sense of humor, much like me. So often laughing, I'll send him like funny stuff <laughs> to like just make him laugh but my dad is more blunt too you know so he's gonna tell you like it is um and I love that about him right he keeps it real like a hundred percent of the time he is a history buff um so if, like if you say you're from somewhere he's gonna tell you about the history of your town like I mean his knowledge is so smart his knowledge to me is amazing and then even like like I don't need GPS when I'm with my dad like he knows maps like the back of his hand like it's amazing to me too he can tell you how to get somewhere so something that's very knowledgeable but also like a very kind heart like I know I remember growing up you know if we ever passed by somebody that was less fortunate and are homeless you know my dad would go take them to buy like you want a hamburger do you want something to eat like just a very kind like really hearted person um and I think that's what I would say you know obviously like I said he's a big sports fan like so just very smart um he speaks Urdu, so that's um, a, a different language that not many people speak. And so when people see my Black father, you know, speaking Urdu, they're like, like, wait, how do you know that? But again, that's that smartness in him, um, something that he learned. Um, and I think just very confident, you know, that's something I also think I learned from him, like just be confident in any room that you're in and don't ever be afraid to speak up. <laughs> so I think that's how I would describe my dad, but very fun, always like, <laughs> usually, in a good mood. Don't get a mad on the road, but <laughs> usually, usually just again, this good spirits, good vibes, likes meeting people. Like he's somebody, I don't care where you put him, like he's going to make a friend and they're going to start talking and they're going to talk a long time. They're just going to vibe and this can be anybody like across from him. So I think too, he's one of those people, you know, that just can get along with anybody, which I think is such a great trait. All right. So I want to take it back to sports a little bit. Yeah. And you know, like um, just in a general conversation of uh, like NBA greats, we always talk about like the Mount Rushmore. But Ooh. 
who is on your Mount Rushmore of WNBA players? Ooh, definitely Candace Parker. All right. You got to have Lisa Leslie, Sue Bird. Oh, my God. I feel like WNBA is just, there's so many greats. I mean, Diana Taurasi is obviously also a GOAT. Yeah, um in what she's doing i feel like i need a current player on there you know let me make sure, make sure i put a dc player put elena deladon on there um with what she's done but honestly i mean WNBA, i mean cheryl swoops i mean there's like so many people honestly you can put on that mount rushmore because we've seen so many great players you know Brittany grimer and by the way we need to get bg home we need to get her back here and i also think she's definitely on her way to being on that mount rushmore because again just another super talented superstar player right now in the WNBA. Yeah, I watched a lot of the, the WNBA playoffs this uh, this year. It was uh, it was awesome. That's awesome. Like, That's great, awesome. Like great games, man, especially with uh, Chicago winning. I was really paying Oh yeah. yeah. I was excited <laughs> for them and Candace to do it at home. Obviously you guys were excited in Chicago. Yeah. Even though in DC we were trying to run it back, but all right, you guys got that one. So excited <laughs> for you all. <laughs> Very, I love the, I love this guy. And, you know, the recent WNBA draft. And for me, even, you know, you look at the women's college game, that was more watched than the men's game this year. It was like one of the most watched games in recent history. You look at the great talent that's coming out of college, like that just makes me even more excited to watch, you know, the WNBA. A girl used to ball back in the day. Um, so basketball is always, you know, like been under that, that love for me. I love covering this. Sport. And that's why for me too, it's, it's exciting now to get a chance to cover any playoffs and then of course any finals. So like, I'm just in basketball heaven right now, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was so going to ask you. What did you play? Uh, what else did you play? Uh, basketball? What else? I played basketball. I played volleyball. Um, I played soccer. And I did tennis. So I did a little bit of everything. And also Boys and Girls Club Dodgeball Champion. Of uh, course, for a champion, <laughs> if I can count those ones. So I'm just saying. <laughs> what, uh, what position did you play um, in basketball? In basketball? Mm-hmm. Power forward, power forward. Really? I miss it. Um, and then when I was younger, when I was tall, before everybody else hit their growth spurt, oh, I played okay. center. But then, of course, everybody else grew up. Like, I hit my growth spurt super early. And then, of course, everybody else caught up, especially the boys. I'm like, wait, like, what in the world? So <laughs> then I had to switch to power forward. But, you know, I love it. I love it. I, if I could go back, I would play guard. I love having control. So that's one position I never really got to play growing up. But when I play pickup games, I'm guard. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we gotta find a court out here in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, we gotta go hoop somewhere. Yeah. I'm Trump's for it. Pretty good. Dr. Young might disagree with you. With me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry with still the shot, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, this is. I been love great. it. I love it's it. It's been a, a a great conversation. Um, now, um, can you speak to your father in regards to how he treated your mother? Because, yeah, we talk about father yeah. in relation to, you know, how we interact with, uh, you know, the mom. So what did you notice uh, about your dad in that regard? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's a question that needs to be asked. And so for me, my dad treated my mom like a Black queen. And honestly, that's what I saw. I think it's so important for young women and men to see how a woman should properly be treated. So I should say my parents are high school sweethearts met at Calloway High School and they've been together ever since. And so that's what I've known, you know, what long lasting love looks like. And I think my dad was always there, you know, so my mom, you know, my dad, my dad even now to this day, you know, he'll do the grocery runs because he knows, you know, she's just like tired, you know, after work, he'll pick up the food, you know, he'll just make sure that she's taken care of. And I thought that was just 
super important, but also like they work together. Like there was teamwork, you know, paying bills and everything. Like I just thought that was super important to see, you know, how each person has to contribute, always taking her out on dates and stuff like that. You know, again, making her feel like the queen um, that she is, but then always respecting her, you know, like, you know, every parent, all parents, you know, go through like ups and downs, but, you know, like would never like raise her, like, you know, he would go cool off or something, you know, but never would raise her, his voice at her, which I thought was so important um, for people to see. Cause I think unfortunately now, like, I don't think people honestly know sometimes how those relationships are supposed to be work. And unfortunately, if you've been exposed to toxic relationships and sometimes that's what you get comfortable with. And so I'm thankful, you know, that I had grew up with both my parents in the household, but they had a healthy relationship in the household. And so I know now, you know, what that is supposed um, to look like. And obviously it's working because that's my parents have been together. <laughs> I even know when they're how many years they're on, but they got married like when they were like 24 and they're in their 50s now. Sorry, mom and dad, if you don't want me to tell your age, but they've been going on for a very, a very, very um just long time. And you know, everything that they did again, it was like that togetherness, you know, and they're like big decisions, like family vacations and trips, you know, they would plan it um, you know, together. My dad would go through his strong suits, like booking the hotel. And, you know, getting the rental car. My mom was really good with like packing and like what needs to be in the suitcase and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I think me seeing that early on was just really, um, you know, great to see. Um, and then again, I think just that support, you know, if my mom was ever sad, you know, he was there, you know, like when we lost a family member, you know, that was his, that was her shoulder to cry on. Um, so I think I just saw from them, you know, like what it truly is to be there, you know, for each other and to not just love each other, but to, be in love with each other and what that looks like in terms of actions. So did your dad ever talk to you and your sister about like dating or like what you should Oh my gosh, yes. Like nobody comes to my house. <laughs> no one was ever good enough for me and my <laughs> sister. I, I think growing up, the only person like my parents met was my prom date. <laughs> That's because he had to come get me from my house. Um, but you know, yeah, like, you know, just make sure that it's somebody that treats you with respect, that puts you on a pedestal, you know, that does make you feel, you know, like a queen and someone that would never put their hands on you. Um, and you know, my dad's so like, he's tough on that, you know, and I think it is so important. So my dad, you know, he grew up actually in a single parent household. And so for him, you know, making sure that male role model was there, but knowing that what that mo male role model should be doing and look like, he wanted to make sure that he preached that, you know, for me and my sister. Um, you know, growing up. I think that's important too, because I think, you know, my dad, even though his father wasn't in his life till he was in college, um, you know, he still knew what it took for a man to be. And that's honestly thanks to my dearly Udula, uh, beloved departed grandmother. You know, she made sure that she taught him that. And, you know, he saw his mom as a queen. And that's kind of how that cycle repeated. So everybody was scared of my dad growing up. I will say that all the guys, they knew he only expected the best. They called my dad the OG, the OG. So if you're old school, y'all know what that means. Um, so, you know, if you're going by Kelsey's house and if my dad comes out, you better be the most respectful <laughs> person, you know, that there is, have your manners, you know, he don't like your pants sagging or anything like that. Like you need to have your belt, <laughs> need to have everything just right and looking proper in the most respectful way. <laughs> so you didn't have to come to the door with the shotgun. I know. <laughs> look, you're on your own. I'm like, look, I told you, I gave you all the advice that I could. If you don't follow that, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry in advance. <laughs> That's a, a great segue to the next question. And actually, it's a question that I already asked you, Kelsey. You know, you gave me a really great answer. 
Yeah. The question was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And I'll uh, read your response. Uh, you said, fatherhood to me means guiding, loving, and leading the next generation through compassion, care. Oh, no, you went on mute. Okay. This you cut a, out a little bit, Royce. Huh? Your volume, like, cut out a little bit. Oh, did I cut out? Okay, I'll start over. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, fatherhood to me means guiding, loving, and leading the next generation through compassion, care, and discipline all the while balancing the necessities of life and family. So that's a, that's a really great answer. Can you elaborate a little yeah. bit more on that? Yeah, I think fatherhood, you know, is, is you know, going, going through life's punches, right? The ups and downs, the good and bad, but still making sure that you're the best role model that you can be for your family, always providing for your family, always being there for your family and always, you know, supporting your family, you know, being kind of that, that icon and role model that, you know, the kids will look up to. Being honestly somebody that your kids can be proud of and that you can be proud of. I think being a father first does start with you and you have to be proud of the man that you are. Honestly, same thing for a woman. You have to be proud of the woman that you are. Um, and I think fatherhood too is accepting that responsibility that you have. You have to do things differently, you know, once you become a father. You can't move or step the same way. Um, but, you know, it's that call to action. I'll say that's what I think a father is. It's a call to action to now for not just 18 years, but for another lifetime you're bonded to either someone if you have one kid or, or people if you have multiple kids and that you're going to always be there for them doing whatever is necessary um, to help them become what they want to achieve and be in life. That's awesome. All right, so I, I know um, we're getting close to time. So, it sounds like you had an awesome dad growing up. Um, what advice would you give to like a young father uh, starting out in his journey? What, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think the advice I would give is know that fatherhood is a journey. Like there's no guidebook for it and you're not going to be perfect, right? You're going to have bumps and bruises along the way, meaning you're going to have hiccups sometimes. But it's going to be how you come out of those challenges, what lessons, you know, that you learn on, um, you know, like, I guess the example I'd give, you know, me and my sister have a nine year age gap. So sometimes my parents did with me, I feel like, you know, they probably got better at it with my sister, right? Because they had those nine years in between um, to kind of plan and figure that stuff out. I'd say also my advice would be enjoy the journey, you know, especially now, like, you know, take all those pictures that you can, you know, if you can go to their swim classes and their daughter's ballet classes or whatever they're doing, just be present in the moment because you're never going to get those memories um, back, you know, from your child and they'll remember you being there. They'll remember you, you know, being in that space and being in that family picture. And I guess the only other thing, you know, that I would say in terms of um, advice is, you know, the great thing about the world is that you have access to so many people, you know, don't be afraid to connect with other fathers and even mothers in the world, you know, and see what you could do, um, you know, better or ask questions that you have, you know, maybe, you know, like I have um, a father now, you know, he's a little bit worried about his kid not speaking by the time you're supposed to be speaking. And, you know, another parent actually recommended him to a speech therapist, you know, for his child. But like that came from having a conversation, being vulnerable and being open and making sure that you can, you know, let others into the space to help you because know that you're not in, in it alone. Um, so make sure you have that like strong support system 
Um, but then also I'd say, you know, make sure you have time for you. You know, I think you do so much for your kids and sometimes you wait till they're in college to finally have that time for you. But make sure, you know, you have that time where you're protecting your peace, your mental health, so that you can be the best version of you for everybody around you. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> it can be hard. I get it. Especially if you have a lot of kids, right? You're trying to like find that time when they're finally maybe sleeping. <laughs> the house is quiet, but you got to have that time, you know, for you. That's truly meant for you. Yeah, um, we've done almost, I think, 100 interviews so far. And uh, I would have to say uh, one of the number one responses to that question that we get is be present. Uh, oh yeah you have to you have to and taking advantage of the time that you have with your kids because yeah. uh, you know they're not that age for much longer you know yeah they get bigger and bigger four, six and ten now and i, I it's a blur like yeah changing diapers and now they're all talking to me <laughs> <laughs> giving you feedback <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's a, like you said it's an amazing journey and um you know, to be able to, uh, you know, enjoy that, you know, while you can, uh, that's, yeah. that's really important. So that's, uh, that's really great yeah. advice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Dr. Young, uh, I'll go ahead. Well, I have one last, one last question based on what you just said. Um, mm -hmm. You do a lot of things. So what is like your self-care routine? What are some things you do? How do you become present? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I am learning this full disclosure because, oh my gosh, it's hard. But, you know, something I started doing is taking at least one hour out of my day that's for me. And so sometimes that will be me going to the gym. Sometimes that will be me finally sitting down and watching Netflix and catching up on shows that everybody's like, Kelsey, how are you not watching this? Or yeah, like, like the wire. <laughs> Yeah, like the wire and now everyone's telling me like why aren't you watching snowfall and what is it ultimatum or something like you know i'll try to catch up in that like one hour and so this is kind of like my time where i get to protect my peace and have my deep breather and it's hard but i try to put this thing down put my phone down so it's not a distraction again that's like my time for me where i'm able to unwind my mind can kind of relax from the day um and i think that's so important especially when you're like so busy but again you have to make sure that you give your body you know, that, that time to just really rest and reflect. And that to me is super um, important. So that's what I've been trying to do is give myself an hour. It can be any hour in the day because I have a crazy schedule. So I can't usually do it at the same time every day. Um, but it's meant a lot for me, you know, to be, have, be able to have just my space. So if you ever text me during an hour, I'm not ignoring you. You just got to wait until my hour is over and I'll send you the text back. All right, folks. <laughs> Yeah, we're so tied yeah. to the devices, man. It's, it's really We tight. are, and I'm so guilty. But to be fair, because it's sports, like anything can happen. So I feel like, you know, I mean, honestly, this weekend to me was like a perfect example. You know, I'm on my phone and I'm preparing for a brunch. And next thing I know, I get a text that said Dwayne Haskins died. And I'm like, like what? Yeah. Like Dwayne Haskins that. So then, you know, all of a sudden I stopped preparing for my brunch. You know, like I put my straightener down, you know, and everything else. And then all of a sudden I'm on work mode, right? Because I do DC sports. People come to me for, you know, and I actually knew him. Yeah. So, you know, then I'm all of a sudden, like my whole day shifted. Um, and, you know, obviously that's been one of the top stories that I've been like talking about this week and doing stories on this week. So, you know, it's like your phone has to be glued to you, but I also have to, and I'm thankful I have people in my life too that remind me, you know, like my phone and I can get stuff out, but it's, it's okay sometimes to put it down because the story will still be there. Now, of course, I'm glad I had it when I broke. 
because it was a big story here in DC, but also again, protecting my mental health. And because it was an emotional time for so many of us here in DC, you know, I did have to have that hour, you know, each day to kind of just be able to, you know, kind of get my rest and reflection, you know, cause we're not machines folks, we're human beings, our bodies are working 24 seven, um, but everything that works really well has to stop, right? Even our phones go on sleep mode or right, our lock, everything again that works well has some type of break period and that includes our bodies. And I think we have to remember that. Yeah, look up and see the sunshine, man. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's really? so true, it's so true. So Dr. Young, I would like to uh, nominate this one for uh, Hall of Fame. Can we, can we put this one in the rafters? My first Hall of Fame. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. First it's, it's Hall of Fame. <laughs> I like that. All right, what's, uh, what was your jersey number? Or did you have most? Oh my gosh. So I, I do remember because it was my birthday, 17. <laughs> All right. 17. I'm lucky seven. Because <laughs> my birthday seven, 17. So I always had to be. 17 and 17 was taken that had to be seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the number uh, seven. You like my daughter. Was well, that cancer or is that a I am a cancer. Yeah, Proud cancer is, baby. Is seven, seven <laughs> she's uh, July. Look 12th. at that. See? So yeah. she's an incredible person. I already yeah, know. Already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Best sign out there, folks. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, again, Kelsey, this has been great. Uh, we'd like to give you the soapbox. So if you want to plug yourself for anything, uh, you know, uh, where do people reach you? Uh, this would be a good time for that. Awesome. Well, people can follow me on social media, The Real K Nelson. Check out my website, KelseyNicoleNelson.com. Also, Facebook, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. LinkedIn, same thing, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Love connecting with folks and people. And please be sure to check out my all new show with Valley Sports, which will begin daily on Monday, April 18th. It's called Last Night Tonight. I'm hosting that along Brandon Scoopy Robinson. So we're bringing you all the latest and greatest NBA news. And also check out my show, Listen in with KNN on Fox Sports Radio. And I think my just message to the world would just be like, let's have some compassion for each other. We need more love in the world and more positive stories, like so much negativity out there. And I think again, just going back to the mental health space, like you never know what somebody's going through. So sometimes a simple smile, a simple hello can truly change somebody's day. So I just want people to remember we're all human beings and emotions go carry and uh, carry us so far. So that's my message. So here's my smile for you all. Here's my joy for you all, my spirit fingers. Hopefully that brightens up somebody's day. <laughs> All right, Dr. Young, did you have anything else for Ms. Kelsey? Uh, no, no more questions. Um, I just want to <laughs> thank you for, um, you know, for doing this. And it, of course. You know, it was a Hall of Famer, like we just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you. We, we appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you all. I know I have been rescheduling like crazy. <laughs> I am so sorry. Again, it's not me. It's my schedule. I promise you. But I'm glad that we finally had a chance to sit down and relax. I think you guys just came back to from spring break. So I hope you had fun with the babies and the kitties. Um, that's also to me that I love seeing everybody on spring break trips, except I won't lie to you. On my plane back, I had so many kids coming back from Memphis. So what was supposed to be a sleep flight, did not be a sleep flight, but it's okay. Because there are lots of great kids and we had so much fun on that plane ride. <laughs> yeah, but no, no worries about like the reschedule and everything. It was worth it. It was oh, worth it. You. I, you know, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate all. you guys. <laughs> of course, I appreciate y'all. Y'all are good people. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews and stay tuned for further announcements.